0: Moncrief on News Talk.
1: Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
0: It is indeed time for parenting with Joanna Fortune. Afternoon, Joanna. Good
1: afternoon, Sean.
0: Right. First question is this. My 13 year old son is overweight, but also really sensitive about his appearance. Since the pandemic, he's gained more weight. And I'm, I'm not sure how much because when I asked him to weigh himself recently, he started crying. It came to my attention when we were in Lanzarote on a family holiday late August. He wouldn't go swimming in our pool at all until the last day when he wore a t shirt. How do I help him? I hate the idea of him developing body image issues, but I want to address how he feels about it himself.
1: Oh, I mean, it's a tricky one, Sean. And I think, you know, body image issues in boys can often get minimized and overlooked, like it's not something that affects boys. It absolutely is. And we know from research coming out, you know, around self-esteem in boys in particular, that it is affecting them almost as much and in as high percentages as their female counterparts at the same age, including, you know, boys even cancelling, participating in activities and hobbies over how they feel they look in their bodies or feel in their bodies. And this is such a good example of this, because here's a boy who, you know, by virtue of the fact that mom or a parent is mentioning swimming in the pool typically this is something he might have done on holidays and he's choosing not to and the one day he does he's covering his body so I think that we have to hold in mind that this whole idea of body image affects all children and we need to be parenting with this in mind and some of that is coming to my mind as I hear this this question you know you're He's very sensitive about it. And actually, you've asked him to weigh himself. So he also now is aware. He probably was anyway, because when he's hyper aware of something, he'd be looking for who else is noticing it, but that you've also noticed his weight gain. And this has caused him a level of distress. So body changes, weight fluctuations, they're very common over the course of our lives. Let's be honest for anyone. But they're also extremely common in adolescence. So I really think what I'm trying to do, Sean, is issue a handle with care notice on this one that I think tread really carefully you I mean nothing is mentioned in here about his activity levels or his eating patterns but essentially this parent is going to have to shift their narrative away from what his body looks like to what it can do and really focus on what else is happening in his life you know has he friends is he engaged with them is there any changes there how is he getting on in school he's 13 he may have made that transition recently enough into secondary school or from first to second year which in in and of itself is a huge transition at that stage is does he have hobbies is he engaged are there any changes in other aspects of his life I think you know when you want to make changes and you're noticing. Mm, my teenager's body is changing in shape and size, or maybe you're noticing their eating patterns have changed and they're doing more constant grazing, bearing in mind appetite will fluctuate and indeed increase at this age because so much development's going on, maybe shift it away from him, his body, and what you think he needs to do and switch it for him supporting you in activity. So in other words, ask him, to keep you company on your walk not saying you need to go for a walk but saying would you mind keeping me company on my walk this evening it's getting dark out and I'd really enjoy having your company while I go on my walk equally involving him in food preparation can you help me with this it's something new that I've not cooked before and you can keep an eye on the recipe while I do the bits or vice versa so you're actively encouraging him to lean into you but in a way that the focus isn't about him and his body I do think though Sean like this kid is overtly self-conscious we Mm. see that in the avoiding the pool the wearing the t-shirt and he cried at a mention of weighing himself I think you have to sit with him and acknowledge his upset let him know that you've noticed that he's distressed you've noticed that he's not as happy in himself as he used to be and that you're available to listen and support and that's the crucial bit that you're going to listen and support. You're not going to say, now I've noticed you're unhappy. I think it's because of that way, Kane." And here's a list of things I think you should do about that because you're not going to make the connection with him if you approach it that way. So definitely handle this with care and be sensitive and attuned. If you feel you've gone too far in what you've said, then own that and say, you know, I think I pushed this too much and I can see you're getting distressed. You're letting me know that this is too much for you. Let's stop. Let's do something else. And if you ever want to discuss this with me, I'm available.
0: To you. Yeah. OK, because he you you'd kind of he's aware of it himself, but, you know, he, he's yeah. 13. He's probably going to get it, start getting it at school if he hasn't got it already.
1: I, I totally think that and that's why I'm curious about what's going on with school and friends as well but I think of saying can you weigh yourself is also letting him know look something's going on with your weight, he already knows that like mm. anyone knows when they've gained weight, your clothes don't fit, they're tight but I think it's not about putting the focus on numbers on a scale it's not putting the focus on calories and body size, it's really about looking at what's going on underneath all of that, you know what is driving it and is, is it something that he's worried about itself to me like he is and what would help him best let him be actively participating in that conversation rather than a parent going and saying here's the problem here's the solution apply a to b and actually it may be too much for him and miss the point that this is an emotional piece for him as well yeah
0: What can my daughter do with her four-year-old daughter, my granddaughter, who won't listen? In the morning, she won't get out of bed, help dress herself or in any way be helpful. She has two younger siblings and holds up the whole show as they struggle to get out in the morning on time. She doesn't pay any heed to anything being said. And when asked to make eye contact uh, when they are uh, talking through everything, she looks away. She then complains when someone gives out to her.
1: I mean, she just sounds four. Yeah. So my, yeah, my first suggestion here is manage your expectation of what a four-year-old can and should be doing. I just think, Sean, you know, and this can come up quite a bit when, when you have a very young family. You know, here's a four-year-old who's the eldest of three kids. So this is a young family, a busy house, and everybody has needs. And what can happen is we can nudge our eldest too quickly into that whole kind of big kid helper role when developmentally that's not where they should or need to be at all they they don't owe us the help with their siblings that's not that's not her responsibility basically also it's not within her capacity to read the room to that extent and say oh gosh you're getting a bit frustrated with me you could really do with me handling this myself so you can tend to my siblings in fact she's more likely to go If I don't do it, you're going to have to leave the siblings and come in to me. So she's four. You know, by the sounds of it, she's also, dare I say, not especially a morning person. Um, So, you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. And some people are slower paced in the morning and just need a little bit of a gentler, more prolonged lead in, which, again, is hard in a busy family in the morning with small kids when you're just like, come on, everybody go, go, go. We have to get out the door at a certain time. So you might want to wake her up, play a song that you're beginning to associate when the song is over, my feet need to be on the ground. You're helping her with that. Give her a longer lead in. So start calling her 10 to 15 minutes earlier than you currently are because it's giving her that time to move at her preferred slower pace. The whole idea of kids not listening is always intriguing to me because the first thing I'll always say, even if you roll your eyes and you think it's definitely not that, let's be certain, make sure you get her ears checked. When children are seemingly not listening to us, I just want to rule out the most basic thing. Let's make sure she has no little hearing issue or there's nothing going on there. And also, and maybe even more so, Note what she's engaged in when you call her, because frankly, if it's more interesting than what you're calling her to do... Mm then yeah, she's going to find it hard to pull herself away from that and go, hmm, what is it? What task have you got in mind for me right now? Because I'm kind of in the middle of a block building experiment here. That, that again is quite normal. So if you want to get her attention, you calling from another room or from the door and then getting louder and louder and getting frustrated is missing the point that actually she's absorbed in another task. So come in come down to her eye level, get a hand on her, not in a rough way, of course, in a gentle way, like take her hand in yours or place your hand on her shoulder, give a very light squeeze, get eye contact and say, hey, I'm going to need you to stop this right now. We have to do A and B. A and B is enough for any four year old in the morning. So let's go together and do it. Let's see. Can you walk as quick as me or your steps bigger or smaller than mine? And you're you're using an engagement activity to transition her from her interesting thing to your, let's be honest, probably not so interesting thing that she needs to do. So always pay attention to if I was four and I was busy playing, how would I need to hear what I want you to do and take that approach to it? So. This there's also in here about, you know, she doesn't make eye contact. Um, Again, I think that has to be initiated by the parent or there are some play activities that promote eye contact, like as a logical inherent part of the activity. So you never have to say the words give me eye contact or look me in the eyes. So if you were to start playing games like mirrors where she's your mirror and has to copy everything you do, you could use that to get her going in the morning. Go on, you be my mirror, you have to copy me. She has to keep her eye on you and also you can... Have her copy you brush teeth, get dressed, the things you need her to do. Um, You could also play eye signals, you know, so your head doesn't move, but your eyes do. So whatever direction your eyes move in, she has to take a jump in that direction. You get her moving and you're promoting eye contact. But again, you're not making it this kind of very directive, not fun. Look at me. Listen to me. Are you not doing? Why aren't you following instructions? Because, I mean, just think about that yourself. Is that going to motivate you to get moving? I don't think it is, especially not when you're four.
0: Yeah. And yeah, just in general, like oh, children that you. age like to take the tourist route to any point. Uh, in, and like, in
1: general. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, I recently went to a family function with my two year old and four and a half year old. Both were excited to go to a party. We we're in great form. As soon as we got there, my two year old would not play with any of her cousins or her sister. She wouldn't go to her father, her nana, no one. She was absolutely glued to me. I expected a little bit of shyness, but we were two hours in and I couldn't even go to the toilet. She wouldn't walk for me. She had to be carried everywhere. It was exhausting. This is the most recent example of what is a series of events at this stage. I don't know why she gets so shy and extremely clingy when we're around other people. But I know if she gave herself a chance, she would love to be in with a gang playing with the toys. How do I wean her off me and help her to be a bit more independent?
1: Oh, I mean, isn't this another example of parental wants clashing with children's needs? You mm. know, I to and I totally get it from the parent point of view of please get off my leg, I just need to go to the toilet. <laughs> and I totally get that. And you know she would enjoy the play. But you know, there is something about in this letter about the big build up. You know, you've a two and a four and a half year old and you were talking about this party and it was all this build up and the hype and we're gonna see everyone and everyone was in great form. <laughs> (laughs) And she got overwhelmed, you Mm. know, which can happen. You know, the, the sort of the build up was almost the bit, And then when it came to actually doing it, there was that bit of a crash of going, no, no, it's not how it looks in my head. It's not how I thought it was going to be. Also, I'm going to put in here is that. There is a clingy stage of childhood and, you know, it can start at six months when babies, you know, they begin to make strange. They're clinging to their caregiver and it can continue and you could see it in waves. It could ebb and flow up until about three years old. It's very common, not at all unusual for children in that age range to show some of this clingy Behavior. It's often even called the clingy phase of development. Um, it wouldn't be a cause for concern. And, you know, especially for a two year old, when you look at, at her little lifespan and what has been going on globally in her lifespan, she may not be used to big gatherings and big family gatherings and all of the noise and the unpredictability and the different tones and voices and movements and different kids all playing at different levels because of their different ages. That can be quite overwhelming, understandably, for a child who has limited experience of that kind of interaction. Also hold in mind with this clingy phase, as her parent, as her primary caregiver, you are her secure base. You are her safe haven, to use that attachment language. You are where she feels safe. She tethers herself to you. And when she's feeling uncertain, overwhelmed and unsafe, that's exactly what she's supposed to do lean into your secure base, return to your safe haven so that that person can help you to organize overwhelming feelings you can't make sense of yourself. So that person can welcome you in your less than ideal clingy, whingy, whiny, whatever it might be state and say, hey, I got you. This is okay. I will stick with you. So that's it's times of uncertainty that children do this. What I would say to you, though, going forward, because you're saying it's a bit of a pattern and you would like to begin encouraging I'm instead of, you know, weaning her off you because that language isn't going to work for you, to be honest, because you're not something that she can ever be weaned off. But you do want to encourage her to take a step forward into sort of engaging with play with other kids a little bit apart from you. Think of it like that, a little bit apart from you. So get eye contact with her, let her know that she's going to have great fun with her cousin and you will be close by and then do that. Stay in close physical proximity and practice short separations. When I say stay in close proximity, though, Sean, it means that when and it is when, not if, when she turns from her plate to look up and make sure you're still there, make sure you're still there. When she looks up to catch your eye to make sure, oh, yeah, I'm okay. you're safe. And you'd be smiling back and encouraging her play that she catches your eyes. So don't be looking at your phone or anything else. Be there looking at her until she has that confidence where she doesn't need to keep checking with you so much. Yeah. And that can take a while. Oh, it can. And it will also take repetition because she's not going to do the whole, oh, this is great. Thanks for the encouragement. I got it from here. Uh, You're going to do a lot of physical touch and encouragement, a lot of hugs and providing opportunities for separations with safe people, but not overwhelming numbers. So you might practice leaving her with a grandparent for an hour, maybe two hours uh, at home because you're saying that, you know, she was this parent is saying the child was clinging to you, not their other parent. Practice going for walks and coming back. Lots of going and coming. But not for huge periods of time, starting really small and even bringing it inside the house, practicing you being in the kitchen, her being in another room in the house so that she can hear you, that you're easily accessible if she needs to come and see if you're still there, but that she is getting those mini separations to practice. I would start really, really small with her. And I'd also just top up your own kind of tolerance cup that this is hard for Mm -hmm. her. She's found a really good way to show you that she's having a hard time with this. And it's our job to say, I see your struggle because some kids just really need that. Others will run away from you and they'll forget you even drop them off. They'll forget you're there. And some of them need this and there's nothing wrong with it. She's just different in, in how she needs that encouragement to take that step into the socialisation. She's still really young.
0: Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. You. Uh, uh, Joanna Fortune there.